Her bike was stolen from outside the library two weeks ago. The 10 speed? Did you lock it up? They used bolt cutters. Some black guy from the neighborhood. One of the other kids saw him. What? Did I say anything? A black guy. Imagine that. Tony. It's just, you know, I can't believe it. I'm not listening to this shit. Why don't you admit it? You're thinking exactly what I'm thinking. Tony, what did I say? What, is it my fault? You're twice as likely to be robbed by a black? That is so fucking racist. Happens to be a fact. Is it a fact? I don't know. We'll have to find out. I did have to use that clip. Sorry for the podcasters. But if you're on the YouTube, Meadows look as she looks down and to the side and says, what (laughs) is perfect? It's so great. Welcome to Cut to Black, a Sopranos sit down. I am Jim Scampoli. I'm Jacob Burrows, and I think that needs to be a gif for everyone on the actual uh, podcast. Make sure you go to Shows What You Know on Twitter. That's you, the letter you, and we'll be sure to post that gif, or rather I'm sure Jim already has it and is putting it up as we speak. So so no worries, everybody. Just head on there for the visual. Uh, but for the audio side, we're going to be discussing Season 3, Episode 5, Another Toothpick. Jim, first impressions? Um, this is, what a great episode. This episode is written by Terrence Winter, who is a name we've heard before and a name we'll hear again. Uh, and it was directed by Jack Bender. This is his first episode. He does go on to direct three more. And he's also known for other shows like Alias and, uh, Carnival. And he directed, I think the most episodes of Lost, uh, of anyone. So very prolific director. Uh, first impressions, Jacob. Oh yes, uh, this is a good episode. Um, it, it's it's such a nice sort of standard episode after having a lot of uh, weird things going on. It's not really standard, but you know what I mean. It's like we're back in the life of the Sopranos, so to speak, after a bunch of big events. Mm-hmm. Uh, and what a life it is! We get to meet some cool, fantastic new characters. New dimension is added to old characters, and Tony's super racist still. So <laughs> it's a good ep- episode all round, I'd say. Yes, yes. Now, but before we get into the episode, um, we did get a nice email. And you can also email us as well at showswhatyouknowshow at gmail.com. We do read all our messages. Um, uh, this is from Ram. Uh, hey, guys. Fan of the Sopranos in your podcast all the way from India over here. I've watched the Sopranos over three or four times, some of the episodes even more than that. And for me, it's the greatest show ever because of how real it feels and its rewatchability. It gets better with every rewatch, and it's a few levels above the likes of Breaking Bad and Game of Thrones. Uh, You guys are my third podcast, LOL, about The Sopranos. Uh, I felt felt like Tony when he asked AJ about his Nintendo. When are you going to throw that thing out the freaking window when I started another Sopranos podcast? I love the dynamic of your show where Jacob's on his first watch. In the beginning, I was worried he would lose track of things watching only an episode a week, but he's catching on just fine. I like how you pick up the small funny funny details from the episodes and mention them for a few laughs. Looking forward to some of the best episodes and moments of the series in season three. Keep up the great work. Uh, so, yeah, uh, what a kind email. I know maybe we're just kind of taking some time out of the show to have someone else compliment us. But, hell, I'll, I'll do it. Yeah, and if anyone else wants to compliment us, you could always uh, 
copy-paste that nice <laughs> sentiment into an old iTunes review. We do need a lot more of those. Thank you. We would appreciate that. We know there are people listening. We have the numbers. Technology does not lie. Uh, if you have the time, please do go ahead and submit a review or send us your thoughts uh, to showswhatyouknowshow at gmail.com. But then, let's let's get into the episode then, well, right let, now let, from the beginning. Or let no? me just yes? quickly stress, I, uh, an iTunes review would be really appreciated. <laughs> Like, sure. you know, uh, hey, I'm Tony Soprano over here. Give me a review. <laughs> you know, I get a bad Tony right now. But anyways, yes, let's go on to the let's get on to the episode. Oh, and just one more thing before I forget. Uh, we would really appreciate an iTunes review. OK, <laughs> but that's it. Uh, that's all we wanted to go through here at the beginning. So we start out in couples therapy. Uh, and I, I did feel like Carmilla was going to be there before the camera started moving and but it's still well well put together she's there of course no one's talking it's all still and awkward um until things start going wrong fingers start getting pointed left and right of course Melfi's doing her thing of sitting there in silence until uh everything erupts so um not not the most productive first session but then they do start getting a bit honest and yelling at each other and uh that's probably what they need to do yes yeah and um it's a it's funny because like watching this show for the first time, it was always something I really was like excited for them to do. Um, I was like, yeah, just bring Carmilla into the sessions. It'd be perfect. Uh, and I love how they immediately get into why it's not perfect. And because yeah. Yeah, especially like, uh, you know, the way Carmilla reads it isn't quite wrong, but it's also because she's, I mean, she, what makes the analogy of like, it's like being the new kid in school or something. And that's kind of exactly it. They have this, Tony and Melfi have this rapport they've built up over a few years. They have these breakthroughs they've gone through and they know what works. And it's completely normal to her, for Carmilla to be like, what, you're blaming me? Cause she is kind of like, what do you think triggers Tony? And you know, that's not what she means, but without knowing the context of all this past history, it's like, oh, okay, it's my fault now. Then they just get into a big fight, uh, and yeah, it's like perfectly laid out. Yeah, and it's also fun how we've been in it for so long that when he has like the breakthrough with the gabagool and everything, we're <laughs> so intense, like listen to me a couple of episodes ago where I'm like, oh my God, the psychology is so amazing. And then to have it reduced to like, see, I told you the other week with the gabagool and my mother. And she's like, oh yeah, but you're still fainting. So what's going on? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, and yeah, you're both very angry. Oh, it looks like you were at the top of the fucking class. Ah, oh, so great. And I love that it just ends. There's no yeah. like, oh, I'm sorry. You know, hey, we're in a situation. It's just, nope. That just ends, and now Tony's flying down the road because he's still annoyed. Carmilla is, like, silently sobbing to herself in the passenger seat. Uh, so what a perfect time to get pulled over. Oh, yeah. And I, to be fair, I think uh, when she says that, like, can't believe we need a stranger to tell us how to communicate, I yeah. read that not as, like, this was a total failure, but rather, like, oh, we're actually talking about things now that we would never have talked about anyway. So I felt still, despite it all, maybe this is a bit of what they needed. You know what? That is a good read because I did kind of the same thought as well. But they leave the scene so quick of just kind of disaster that, yeah. uh, you know, you can, you can kind of miss that for a moment. You could miss that they are trying to say, yeah, maybe they did. They made some progress that we didn't see because it is hard to... You know, especially if you've been married that long, it is hard to talk about stuff. It's easier to just kind of, you know, talk about the weather or, you know, black crime. Yeah. Um, speaking of which, um, 
it, it uh, I, I knew when the scene started and I didn't think it was going to be Tony and Carmilla still. So when they were in the car, it sort of lets you know that something's going to happen. And of course, he's driving like a maniac. So he gets pulled over, uh, casually tries to bribe this man. But then, of course, I wouldn't bribe you, officer. <laughs> and then he's really surprised that he gets written up. Um, and I, you know, this is something throughout the episode. Does it matter if he has a ticket or is it just the money? Like, is it, is there something legal where it could be a problem for him? It, I mean, the, not really. The ticket really would just be paying a fine or something. Or, yeah, excuse me, what normal people do, they go to court, maybe fight it, and it gets dragged down. I mean, I guess it would show, yeah, it would show up as a speeding ticket maybe on your car insurance, but it's nothing really big criminal. Um, yeah. And he, he does flash his, uh, they're called PBA cards. I've heard other people talk about these. It's like the, ah, uh, shit, I forget what it stands for. But it is kind of, it's a real thing that people have where it just shows like I donate to the police or I'm a friend of the police. Uh, and then usually you're supposed to be like, okay, I'm not going to give you, you you're oh, the, uh, the Patrolman's Benevolent Association. Uh, it's their union. So you're kind of supposed to be like, okay, I won't give you a ticket. I'll let you off for the warning. You're one of us. Ha ha. So it does, it is like a fucked up weird thing that is like completely fine that happens. And uh, I mean, but he pushes it even more. Yeah. Offering like a nice dinner. Uh, the actor that plays this character, what's the character's name? Oh, Leon. Um, the actor is Charles S. Dutton. Charles S. Dutton is great. Uh, he's on, he was on this early nineties sitcom I used to watch called Rock. Um, what was it? The ups and downs of a garbage collector, Charles Rock Emerson. Uh, it's a great mm-hmm. show. He's also in the movie Menace Society and a bunch of other movies. But he's a great pick for this because he's completely believable as that like no nonsense. Um, there's a you could almost think that he's doing it because Tony is so flippant about it and, and and thinks he's gonna get away with it. But also, I feel like this guy is just by the book no matter what. And then the added idea that Carmela's like, they should be arresting drug dealers. And it's kind of like, well, yeah. you're basically drug dealers. <laughs> like, what are we talking about here? <laughs> uh, so I like this stuff. We're kind of we're kind of wading back into the happy wanderer in a little bit, uh, uh, a little bit. But it's like a different version of that, I guess. Yeah, and lest we forget, Tony is famous. I mean, he is on yeah. TV all the time, so uh, he probably knows who he is and so on. I mean, I, you know, of course he's not going to say like, oh, yes, uh, <laughs> you're the big mobster. I'll let you off if he's that sort of guy. Um, so another scene starts up with characters we're not familiar with. Whenever a scene starts up like that, I'm like, someone's about to die. Someone's <laughs> fitting to die in this oh, scene because yeah. it's going to be something that, that like will come to the attention of Tony and co. Um, and indeed, like there's a couple of characters, uh, there's a fight going on and between a girl and a guy, the guy gets out and uh, whacks a man in the head, the golf club. That's a basic summary of the scene, right? Yes. Yeah. You know, uh, they're talking about the peppers and eggs. I know people have referenced the, well, remember in Sopranos when they said peppers and eggs? I don't know why, but uh, it, that did st- stand out to me. I don't know if this is the actual peppers and eggs scene. Actually, I think Uncle Junior orders peppers and eggs before, but either way, they're ordering peppers and eggs again. Um, and yeah, guy's fighting with his girlfriend and, you know, she just asks him for help and he's not even helping her. But this guy, Mustang Sally, who we come to learn his name, is a nut job and he just bashes him in the head with a golf club. It does feel like in this episode that 
they were kind of like, all right, we've been hitting the audience with some kind of, you know, heavy, not quite mob related stuff. Let's get back to the fun stuff. Uh, a guy getting hit with a golf club and kicked and spit on, uh, which could set up maybe some possible hits later on in the episode. Oh, absolutely. And this guy already looks like he's had his head shaved for some sort of brain <laughs> surgery. So he's already prepped and ready to go for the surgery I'm sure he'll need after this. Um, but either way, yeah, he, he, he gets whacked up real good. Um, and uh, then, of course, we know it's not going to turn out great because then all the mob people around are around his bed. And as usual, we're just thrown into it and we have to figure it out on our own. But uh, as it seems... Um, this guy has friends, but then the other guy is also in the mob. He's in another part of it and everything. So, of course, it's complicated. Uh, neither of them would be made men, though, I suppose. Yeah, I mean, Vito is a part of this who we've seen a few times before. Um, and, and he seems to be closely related. I think it says, like, Spatafors something on the side of the truck. And Vito mm-hmm. Spatafors, he's the big fat guy in the room. I mean, I know that narrows it down. Uh, mm-hmm. But Ralphie's making some jokes as expense of like, you know, eating, a, you know, when it, especially when it comes to eating a sandwich or whatever he says. Uh, so, yeah, I, I do think Vito might be made. I mean, this guy's not. And the guy that's hurt. The, I mean, the guy that attacked the guy's not. And the guy that's hurt isn't. Uh, yeah. But, yeah, these people got friends in high places. I mean, you know, it's a big deal because um, because Polly brought some Whitman's. Or whatever it is, the chocolates that he brings, which sets up a great gag that I love. Uh, but we'll get to that. <laughs> yeah. So Ralphie, by the way, in this scene, and I guess throughout, he's he's really playing up his comedic angle. Because at one point, I think he's leaving the room when he's going with Jackie Jr. Like he pets him on the back and they're heading to the door. And in the edit, I lost track of him. And then someone else says something. And all of a sudden, he's on the other side of the room playing with a defibrillator like yeah. on his tits or something. And I'm like, this is a bit over the top how he's like Loki just popping up here and there and making a snide comment to absolutely everything. Uh, I'm, of course, he's getting on everybody's nerves. Um, but yeah, it's uh, basically like they just eat the chocolate and figure out we don't know yet what we're going to do. Yeah, we get a small dose of Jackie Jr. doing exactly what Jackie Jr. does every time he shows up, which is fine. He just does it real quick to remind us that he's around because he's like, it'd be my fucking pleasure. Like, this idiot still doesn't understand. Uh, But I guess, you know, well, at least he's the one that directly says what his relationship is. Like, it's my cousin. Um, So we, we get that at least. And then, yeah, he has to be kicked out of the room. Um, and then, yes, we got Ralphie is kind of making fun of Vito. But as we see in this scene and later on, he keeps pushing at Gigi because that's the guy who that he got passed over for to be, you know, the captain of that crew. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, so we head to a funeral. And this doesn't count as a death on our counter, right? Because we've no. had this before. Yeah, no way. We, we, we've never met uh, Aunt Febby or Uncle Febby, whoever it is. Uh, I didn't even catch it. Uh, but, yeah, they died of cancer. They're related to Carmilla. We get to see Father Phil again, and they get to have a great moment. Uh, Carmilla gets to give him the cold shoulder, which is nice. Uh, but I, I love how all this stuff has been playing into a, um, to uh, Junior's story because, I mean, he gets to go out for funerals. He's been so worried about looking sick and getting sick. And as we know, it's because... Yeah. 
it stemmed from when he was pretending to be a sick old man just to get out of the jail. And it's almost like, especially the way we know, Junior is very similar to like Christopher. And what we know about him is he seems to be very, very uh, superstitious. And of course, we get more into that and into this episode. So it's great to even, even when he's not just directly speaking about it with the looks on his face as he's seeing people his age die and just it's he doesn't necessarily care that they're dead it's more like oh my god it's coming for me now uh. yes of course and speaking of which we do get introduced to a new character here who comes in and it's a great introduction because tony turns around in the pew and he's like oh my god it's that guy and he's like smiling so yes. huge and i'm like who's this guy because tony does not react like this to anyone ever um but outside the church there, they're they're buddying it up. And uh, I also like this character right away. I don't know. He just seems really likable. And uh, we figure out it's the dad of the guy who takes care of Junior, the big yes. fat guy. What's his face? Yeah. Uh, Bobby Bacala. This is Bobby yeah. Sr. This is his dad. Um, and this episode adds some dimension to him as well. I mean, in a fairly you know straightforward way where his yep. father's you know in trouble. So, but but still, it it makes him a bit more three dimensional, and he's already so three dimensional. Uh, <laughs> um, so you know, uh, it's it's a great scene as well where they're talking Tony and his father, what is whatever his name was. I I also do not remember that one. Uh, but then they reference, like, he's, like, laughing about Junior, like, oh, you got him all fooled. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Junior's like, oh, yeah. Yeah, I got him all fooled. Yeah, exactly. I love Junior because he's like, what? Like, he's and he's like, you got him all fooled. He's like, oh, yeah, yeah, of course. Uh, and I love that <laughs> moment you specifically cl- uh, you called out um, because they have Tony hold his smile for, like, a little too long because uh, yep. it's during a funeral scene and everyone's still somber. So it's one thing to turn back and see someone who you love and be like, oh, yeah. But he like turns back and he's like facing the priest and he's still thinking like, I love that guy. Oh, man, this is great. <laughs> so great that I get to see him again. And I love that they have yeah. him hold it for a long time. And then uh, they give AJ a couple great lines, just a couple great AJ lines. They're they're sprinkling in the AJ and Jackie Jr. in this episode because he mentions what yep. someone else had cancer and then they froze his head until they could mm-hmm. get a cure. No one says anything to him. <laughs> no yes. one responds. Exactly. Uh, but yes, yeah, so yeah, we, we get a lot going on because we got this one cancer death. We meet Bobby Sr. who's, yeah, clearly he's coughing. He's not in good shape. Um, and Junior's good. His eyes are darting all around because he's wondering, you know, when, uh, you know, father death or whatever is going to come out of the shadows and get him. <laughs> yeah. And Tony, importantly, gets clearance to kill his godson. That, yeah. that was the thing he wanted to talk to him about. And I will say I was slightly confused further on because there isn't as far as i recall a scene where they're like and he's gonna kill him too like that's only like brought up in context almost like they took that scene out of the episode uh because it's like oh can you please talk to tony uh you know junior about this whole situation and it's like what he's just gave the go-ahead and then like nobody's gonna whack him and i didn't get it until halfway through yeah you're right because we do it almost seems like they would have put them both. Well, I mean, I guess it wouldn't make sense for him to be like, I want you to do it or whatever, like at the funeral. But yeah, we, we do see that he gets kind of the okay. Um, and then we're just jumped. We're already into it when we check back in with Bobby because he's upset about what's going to happen. Um, we do. We check in with Artie Bucco and Adriana and Artie is on a whole new level this episode. 
we've we've uh, we've we've felt sorry for Artie in the past, but he's on a great new path already. Because uh, I mean, we we it's I can't imagine it's been only two weeks since that episode when um, uh, Christopher got made, but we do know that Christopher didn't immediately start racking up the money. So I, I assume he didn't immediately make Adriana put in her two weeks like he initially said. Then she, of course, didn't tell him like what this is such a shitty thing to do uh, yeah. to a job. And I love that Artie's like, ah, Charmaine will cover it because, <laughs> you know, he doesn't care about his wife right now. Uh, he's all ready to celebrate. He's trying to show off these numbers. They had a great night, uh, but she's quitting. And now Artie is fully smitten and like Adriana is the one that got away, basically. Yeah, she's quitting. He's smitten. It's like a fucking country song um, where, like, you can already feel the vibe off him. I mean, the actor does a good job. But you can already feel like it's, it's he's got some sort of thing for her. I didn't think it would progress as far as it did within the episode itself. Yeah. Uh, but it sure does. Um, and, yeah, like you mentioned, like, oh, yeah, two weeks notice. Like, oh, no, Charmaine, it's fine. And then he's just sitting there with his wine and his receipts uh not not too happy about the situation yes yeah uh yeah then we kind of check in yeah junior and bobby they're playing checkers junior's off in his own world we kind of find out later why that there is some real stuff going on um but yeah bobby's uh, emotional because he knows his father's weak he had to help him off the toilet for christ's sakes and now he's going to be the one to put the hit on uh, mustang sally yeah, and he's there. He's actually crying, and Jackie, no, sorry, Junior, first reacts with like anger and annoyance, and then he's like, oh, "I'm sorry, you're right," and uh, you know, gets it's, it's like his thing throughout the episode of like, like being sympathetic, but then like so rage filled and furious. <laughs> like later when he just smashes things up, it doesn't really match up until you figure out what's been going on on his personal level. Yeah, uh, but here it is. Like he's asking him to deal like can't you talk to tony about the thing and i still don't understand the context uh yet here because i thought it was just like oh he's getting pulled back into this world he says he's so old and frail but he just gave the okay so far so it's a little confusing yeah yeah um and then yeah so then basically it's uh junior and uh tony talking about it now they're in the lawyer's office they mentioned something about the doctor's office but then they're in the doctor's office later but i guess they're not talking business at that point um but here they're talking in the lawyer's office and you know talking basically about this and it is interesting because the Gigi thing like Gigi is this main character in how they speak about him not really on the show you know what i mean because He's talked about as the guy they pass over Ralphie for, and we see him in some scenes, but I bet you're right. There is probably some scenes here that they had to cut, and it probably would have helped the Gigi character a bit because it's mostly talked about because the main reason why Tony doesn't want to go against him is because he like just made him captain of that crew, so he doesn't want to like, – what does he say? He's like, I don't want to cut his balls off. Yeah. Uh, and he wants to kind of back his captain. And, I mean, he does specifically say this again later on. Uh, but it's just interesting that we never Gigi doesn't get anything really of uh, like with meat on its bones to really sink into like the audience perception. It's mostly yeah. other people talking about him and something he's doing. I mean, he's it's the show's making it very clear. At least it feels like it to me that Gigi is not important. He's only there to reflect 
the character of Ralphie. They, yeah. The show makes it clear to me that Ralphie is an important character and Gigi is not. And I don't think they're, like, thinking about it, there probably wasn't any scenes cut out. I don't think so. Because yeah. Tony actually explains the whole thing in this next scene. And if they yeah, had another right. scene with that, it would be sort of redundant. Because he's like, oh, Sally's MIA. Two days ago, he reaches out to Bacala for help. And, and you know, the old man Bacala, blah, blah, blah. He can get close. So they actually do explain it right afterwards. Uh, right. I, I wasn't that confused. But, uh, but yeah, it makes sense. Um, but either way, Tony doesn't want to, like... <laughs> shut it down um junior's like yeah he's a sick man it'll it'll give him something to live for Mm. and tony leaves dramatically it's almost a storm out not (laughs) quite though uh and then what we're back oh this we're back with uh, tony and chris uh are at like vesuvio's basically like late in the night and then Artie stumbles out a little sauced up and it is like Artie is really pushing it, especially with someone like Chris and especially someone who's made. But he keeps being like, what? We're kidding here. You fucking, he's like, you fucking piece of shit. <laughs> uh, poison your food. <laughs> you better treat it right, you piece of garbage. Uh, and Chris is holding it back, I assume, uh, with respect to Tony because he understands, like, you know, it's Tony's friend or whatever. Yeah, and he's massaging him for like a full three minutes before even sitting down there, which is already weird. Uh, but yeah, he's sitting down and, and, you know, he's being funny at first, but then, like you said, he's pushing it way too far. This feels, this whole scene feels so good, fellas, except it would have ended with him, his, you know, eye being cut out uh, if it was good, fellas. And in this case, Tony's there to make sure. That doesn't happen. Uh, and it is, I don't know, it's such a, even though Artie's so over the top here, it's also such a great scene. Uh, it's believable to me, and I love the way everyone plays it because it makes, like, I, I, I don't blame Christopher. Like, he yeah. would be so annoyed at this point. Uh, and, you know, he's a made man. He's got to keep up appearances and, like, have this respect for himself and carry himself. And he's got the new suit and everything. And, you know, he does one or two times too many Artie. So he, he like rushes up at him. Um, Tony, <laughs> Tony tries, he diffuses the situation. But then uh, when, when you get Christopher out of there, when he's like holding him, Tony's like mad, but then he's laughing and then <laughs> Artie's crying. And it's yeah, just yeah. such a great scene with so much going on there. Yeah. Cause now he's like, I love her. Uh, <laughs> and he's like, if yeah. I just had a head of hair and he's like, uh, <laughs> You know, even if you had Casey Kasem's head of hair, you know, a young girl like that, old married guy like you, which is interesting because, I mean, obviously, it's not like Tony respects his own marriage. So it is kind of funny. He was like, come on, you're a married man. This is a young girl. Uh, but, yeah, Tony just kind of chuckles at it a little bit. He's like, yeah, you know, you are. You're, yeah, you're a pathetic piece of shit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah and i mean Artie, uh, as, as far as the actor's ages at least i think Artie's there's like less than 10 years of difference anyway yeah. um she's 29 or something he's 38 uh as, again thank you wikipedia of yeah. course uh, we do all our own research here at this show <laughs> uh but yeah he's tony's like he thinks it's kind of uh adorable almost like in a pathetic sort of way um well, and what's great Artie, about, uh, well, I was yeah. sorry to cut you off, but what's great about this is that, I mean, it's not exactly subtle that, I mean, obviously he doesn't love Adriana. It's, yeah. it's just is, and, and they kind of do a, uh, a lot with a little because just with the few scenes we have, it's just, we understand that 
it you know especially as, as an older guy it probably it feels nice to hang out with like this young hot girl sometimes and what you know the restaurant's doing well and blah 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 i mean clearly there are issues in their marriage that also pays uh, plays a part in it but he's just gonna miss being able to just talk to this chick it's not like he really wants a relationship with her um but he's just being all arty buco about it <laughs> yeah and i think yeah absolutely and i think it's not so much that he uh loves adriana it's more that he doesn't love his wife yeah unfortunately yeah. um so that's the like again Adriana's sort of there to reflect on his relationship with his wife rather than to you know actually include anything new about their relationship if that makes sense mm-hmm uh, then what Tony's talking to the assemblyman who we've, you know, we've seen scattershot throughout this season and we know there's stuff going on with some building and an esplanade uh, project. Uh, and Tony's putting, trying to put the kibosh on this ticket because, uh, well, at this point, well, yeah, no, at this point, yeah, he's still just trying to, he got some info on the ticket, but he doesn't know the later thing, right? Um, yes, that's, okay. uh, that's I'm right. Sorry. I mean, it's going to get squashed. Yeah. Uh, basically one way or another. Oh, okay, that's yeah. when I st- I got a little out of order here but okay this is the point where he's um he's like I got to go to my guy at the DMV about it like he's annoyed yeah. that it isn't already taken care of yes and this was when I was like does this really matter to Tony I mean he has so much money uh that's when I wondered like is it something to do with like Rico that you know it's a criminal thing and they're trying to get him on anything but yeah obviously no big deal hmm. um so then we have Junior and the Bacalas, and uh, Bacala Senior shows up, and uh, I don't know, this scene is great as well. He's there coughing. Junior gets to dig into his garbage disposal again and, and get out something or other. Like, what is the symbolism here? Because they wouldn't just put this in for nothing. I was thinking about that. I think he, he pulls out like a peach pit or like, you know, like yeah. a pit of, you know, like a fruit or something. I was wondering about that because it was it was clearly like a nice callback to when he gets his hand caught, um, but he doesn't, and he's not alone. So yeah, but I, I didn't really get a read on it to be honest with you. I guess you know they don't do it too heavy-handedly, but it could be you know something stuck in the system, something dark, uh, like hard. It's like the illness inside of him giving True. that a visual representation, I assume, like finding that where he didn't expect it. But then they it's really just such a quick moment. They don't even, they don't hang on it, which is why it's like, I guess that's good though, because if it was like, oh, the peach pit, <laughs> it'd be like, yeah, we get it, Sopranos, yeah, we, get we get it. it. So it's just there as a little thing. Um, to give Bacala moments to come in coughing all over the place and Junior's so concerned and he wants to get him the best doctor there is and so on because he's really talking about himself as yeah. usual. Yeah. Like, if you die, then no, 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 no. That would be horrible because then I will die. Um, so, yes. Well, and, and especially to start this, Junior says, I decided against it. But clearly he's just saying that because Tony decided okay. against it and he's still running with this idea that he's the boss of the family, right? Yeah, absolutely. Um, and then, yeah, we do. Yeah, he's spitting up blood now. And then at that point, uh, what? Oh, then we cut back to Artie, and he's talking about the business proposition that Tony kind of offered him before he walked out in the previous scene with him. Uh, we find out that it's to, you know, make some, like, packaged foods, basically, like a food brand, but it's going to be Satriel's instead of Vesuvio's. And, yeah. I mean, this is a classic Artie Charmaine conversation we've seen happen many a times 
Um, and the thing is, I mean, Charmaine is right, and they're doing well. We've seen the scene, but we, that's, we know at this point, like, Artie's going through his midlife thing, and it's not just about doing well. Now he wants... I guess, I mean, as we see later, he feels like if he gets this bit, I'm working, I'm in business with Tony Soprano. All of a sudden, Adriana is going to be like, oh my God, that's all you've been missing, uh, Artie. Yeah. Uh, I, I just love guys that work with Tony Soprano. Exactly. And, uh, and you know, sometimes when, when he and Charmaine has a scene, it's like, oh, Charmaine, you're being so unreasonable. And here it's really like, like she has a good point. It's not even under your name. Like you're just a front in this operation, really. Yeah. Um, so it's not going to be that great for you. She's so right in this scene. Um, speaking of the you know mob situation, there's another dinner going on. Like we should have a dinner counter because it would like vastly outnumber every <laughs> other counter we have. Very they ha- have at least eight meals per episode. So. We just calculate that real quick. That should be 800 by now. <laughs> but yes, again, it's someone telling Tony, don't have the old man do this thing. Uh, and he says, Junior asked me to ask you. And I'm wondering, like, is this uh, something that's still laying around? Or did Junior ask him? He, he must have asked him after he was there coughing up blood then to take yeah, it to the next level. I think so. It was the whole thing. Uh, Junior already asked Tony, then tried to say he decided against it. But yeah, he got his, uh, uh, you know, wheels turning again once he saw him spitting up blood. So he's trying to put the kibosh again because now Johnny Sack is asking about it. And Tony rightfully is kind of like, I'm sick of fucking talking about this. Uh, stop like trying to like, is anyone else like I'm going to say this for everyone right now? Uh, I think when we do cut into the scene a little off topic, but uh, Ralph is making another gladiator quote. I think that's his kind of thing for a while. He's uh, anytime we kind of uh, cut to him, he's talking about gladiator, which at the time, wow, everyone loved it. Now I'm like, wait, was that from gladiator? What is that? All right, fair enough. Uh, but yeah, I like this scene. And yeah, this is where he's like, yeah, Gigi made the call, blah, blah, blah. Where he's doing the hit. End of story. Yeah, and you know, Ralphie's just there because he's always there. Uh, even though he's not made captain, he's just having dinner with all the captains. Yeah, uh, and just, talking shit, kind of, of course. Oh, yeah, all the time, which makes you wonder, like, he should either be a captain or not be at the table. Um, <laughs> yeah. But, of course, he's just there. Um, so then we go back to Fountains of Wayne. This is, uh, we've been here before, where uh, the guy who Tony watched the football game with just the other week... Uh, ran away from him because he had an axe or what have you. Um, so he's there looking at fountains this time, or piping, first of all. And he sees the cop. He's working there, you know, when he's off the cop clock, like you do, because it's, <laughs> you know, the grand old United States of A, right? Yep, yep. He can no yep. longer get uh, overtime, so he's got to put in time at Fountains of Wayne. Tony keeps trying to make cracks like, hey, get out your, you know, uh, ticket book. Look at this indecent dispo- uh, exposure. And I, I mean, I guess he's clearly digging to be like, why are you here? Like, you're a cop. Uh, gets the information. And Tony feels sad about it. Oh, Tony feels bad. <laughs> what did I do? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, what's going on with Tony? Because, um, yeah, I mean, I guess so. Like, he, he just doesn't want because I think in a weird way it does seem at this point he respects this guy, yep. right? I, I for, agree. For not being crooked almost. Yep. Even though he, everyone is crooked in his world. So weirdly enough, the fact that he's stood up to him 
well, I guess it's not that weird, but he, he had some respect for that. Um, so then to see him reduced to this, it's like, hey, wait, I didn't do this. Uh, did I? Yeah. I did this? What? Um, and also, so of course, he has a... Well, I'm sorry. Yeah. I was just going to say to your point before where you're like trying to figure out if this is important or not. I think it does show that it's not important. Like, because Tony's even like, wow, this isn't even that important. Like, I could have just paid a ticket, but now I'm like really ruining this guy's life in, in a yeah. lot of ways. Yeah, so that's why he calls up the assemblyman in a steam room, of course, <laughs> yeah. uh, where he's, where there's just a payphone, and he's just, hey, howdy, I guess this is where the real politics happen. Mm-hmm. Um, so he, he calls him up, and it's like, oh, don't you think that's a little harsh? And uh, yeah, like you said, what's up with Tony? Like, what well, he's sad. Ooh, yeah. Oh, no, <laughs> this guy. Well, but I can only read it as, like, he had some weird grudging respect. Yeah, and... Um and I feel like they they even twist the knife here because when he starts hearing that, you know, no, the guy's depressed, yeah. he's wound up, that he's mental, and of course Tony's gonna relate to that almost in a whole another le- uh, in a whole another level. And yeah, yeah, I think there is this respect that uh, you know he's just doing his job. He he doesn't care about your stupid dinner you offer him or your stupid PBA card. You were speeding. You were driving like a maniac because you were all wound up and fucking uh, pissed off. So, you know, you were completely in the wrong. Like, Tony knows he's completely in the wrong. Yeah. Yeah. And it's such a small thing to him. Yeah. Um, but anyway, next scene, such a great Soprano scene. Yep. So tense. Yep. Uh, Bacala Sr. And all of these are characters we haven't seen before this episode. But I'm like, it's just the three of them in this house. And I'm still so tense and on the edge of my seat. Like in this span of this episode, it's just been like half an hour of this episode. I, I already like am so invested in what's going to happen. They've built the tension so well. And this guy, Bacala Sr., he's so old school. And he gets to have it, this weird moment where he's definitely enjoying this where he's like saying oh but it was really hard oh i don't know what to do but i squashed it and he's like oh thank you so much and he's enjoying the game of it the game they play when they're like come on i'm gonna take you out to see some uh, russian girl or my girl and we're gonna have a thing and then you shoot him in the back of the head like he's he's actually like been missing that and it's it Tony was right. It would give him something to live for. Yeah. Um, he even says so, it yeah. as well. He even says, like, it'd be nice to feel, like, needed. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, it all plays out, and, yeah, he gets to have this big... Because he does come out on top. So it is like he kind of went out doing what he loved to, <laughs> type of deal. You know what I mean? Uh, I do want to get a quick shout-out to the actor that plays um, Mustang Sally. He's Bootsy on Gilmore Girls. I don't know if we got a lot of crossover here with uh, Sopranos fans. Maybe I well, shouldn't I w- be admitting this, but uh, we love Gilmore Girls. And uh, uh, I'm sorry, go ahead. Oh, yeah, we love Gilmore Girls. I think you uh, maybe are – your knowledge is more encyclopedic because I don't know who that is in Gilmore Girls. He's one of the town recall. owners. He's always at the uh, town meetings. Uh, uh, he's portraying – yeah, he owns and runs the newsstand in Stars Hollow. He's also in Marvelous Miss Maisel. He's one of the guys that works at the club. He's, he's a great actor, and he's great in this as well. Yeah, so believe it or not, Gilmore Girls, Here, don't shut it off. Don't rewrite your review on iTunes just yet. Uh, Gilmore Girls is an extremely good show. The Marvelous Mrs. Maisel is as well. We have podcast episodes on both of those shows at showswithyouknow.com. They're very good, okay? Just 
take our word for it, okay? Uh, I know it doesn't sound like it, but it is. Um, so yes, there he he's about to shoot him in the back of the head, but the other guy comes in. He turns around. It turns into a big struggle. It's very tense and cool action and blood and Sopranos all over the place. Like you said, it's almost like we've had a little bit much of the psychology and the this and that and and not a lot going on mob wise. So here's a yeah. really great tense scene for you and he does come out on top and i love when he takes out the smokes you know it's real it's a real uh heisenberg type feeling here and he's coughing it up but he's living life and he's covered in blood going home crashing his car everything's great and even to the point like he doesn't really have to kill the other guy but you're kind of like fuck yeah kill that other guy (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> like the, you know, the real like, uh, you know, badass side of you, the the deep down uh, part of us as the audience, we're still kind of like, yeah, shoot that other guy too. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Uh, but um, yeah, it's you know because it's great. He's got the gun to the back of his head. His friend walks back in. He's like, "What the fuck?" And then we got <laughs> yeah, a nice like uh, he he like nicks his ear shoots the other guy in the chest and they're fighting over the gun he's trying to pull out his gun he gets it to like right to his head splatters his brains on the ceiling like this is vintage sopranos this is what we tune in for i mean we tune in for more than that but this is also the 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 stuff we love uh and yeah he um you know he's 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 cranking some tunes driving and he can't reach his inhaler and he just crashes and uh what a way to go out but yeah oh, we yeah. we got some um updates we got to do here cuz so oh, we're yeah. adding 3 to the counter here like this is quite a death count in this episode yeah damn uh we were at 22 for everyone keeping track i assume you'll play the sound 3 times jim yeah. yep yep so here we go <laughs> let's do it Gatsada malanga yeah, there it is. Uh, so we've gone from 22 deaths to 25. What a leap. I don't think we've had that many deaths in an episode before. Maybe in, you know, when they were clearing out stuff at the beginning of the first season, but we didn't have the counter set up at that point. Um, maybe. But that's quite a bit. Oh, and actually, I mean, yeah, I, I can't believe we haven't brought this up. But yeah, thank you, Pete C. in the chat. Burt Young uh, does play Bobby Senior. Burt uh, Burt Young is Polly from Rocky. Um, oh shit! Yeah, yep, it's true. And and I think that's why, like you were talking about, like there's an immediate like like for him. Yeah. Uh, I mean, even if, even if you just have a passing, you know, reference to Rocky, y- you know, Polly. Uh, so it's like, yeah, there's he's got this nice presence, and I guess he was 62 at the time, but yeah, he really does like Pete C in the chat. Burt Young was only 62 here, but he plays 82 easy, and yeah, you to- I, I I would never have second guessed if someone's like, look at that 82 year old man. It's like absolutely. Well, yeah, and he's like he plays 62 in Rocky, so <laughs> so I guess <laughs> yeah. that adds up. How yeah. when was he ever young? Uh. Yeah, that's great. You just could be old all the time. Yes. So mm-hmm. next scene. His son is just weeping because this great likable character that came out of nowhere was dead. And this is where we find out the age where he's like, what was he, 71? I don't know, 68 um, and all that. And Junior gets like, Junior starts interrogating him of the, wait, was it the cancer? Was it the car crash? Uh, How uh, advanced was the mesistatosis, et cetera, et cetera. And he's like, "Why? with all due respect, why do you care about the details? And he's like, yeah, you're right. I'm sorry. Yeah. Smashes the whole place. Yes. Yep. 
Uh, junior, um, junior I, I like how they do this because it's a reveal, but it's not a reveal uh, when we find out later that he has cancer. Uh, because either way, it could just be read as, you know, the fear of death. Death is chasing you down. Um, but I like how it's like clearly something's going on. Uh, and then it just kind of naturally kind of comes out and, and you're like, oh, okay, now it all makes sense. Now we get what he's doing. Uh, then we have what? We cut back to Artie. And I like this because it's, you know, it's not very subtle, but he's annoyed at Charmaine that she's not trying to be a sexy hostess because yeah. she's got her hair up. She's wearing like a sweater. She has her glasses on. And he's like, what, you don't say goodbye to customers? And oh, what, what are the, what's with the glasses? Uh, and it, it, I do like, in a weird way, I like that he's standing up for himself, but he's doing it in the wrong, for the wrong reasons and in the wrong way. Because yeah. even though Charmaine, Charmaine is right, and she should kind of talk to Artie the way she talks to him. Artie should have this moment that he has here, but it's just in the wrong, this is the wrong time for it. And I think that's like Artie yeah. Bucco to a T, is he kind of does the right moves at the exact wrong time. Yeah. And he's, she's there like, if you do this, if you choose Tony over me, oh, it's, and he's like, oh, what are you going to do? Divorce me? <laughs> and um, it's pretty rough. Like, and, and the thing of like choosing Tony over her, that's been the case all the time previously. She's not even aware of the whole Adriana thing yeah. that's going on that's the root cause of this. At the same time, the Adriana thing is only going on because he's not happy with the marriage. He should have this moment, but... Not, he's so wrong and he's so rude that you still get to feel for Charmaine, even though, uh, you know, we, we've mostly, she's mostly been portrayed not as the most sympathetic of characters in this show. Um, so, and yes, I, it's, it's a good scene. Yeah. And I love the way the actress plays it because there are hints that, there are hints that she's bluffing and she's surprised that Artie is calling her bluff. Like, yeah. even though it does end when she's like, this marriage is over and you're not getting the kids either. But before that, there's almost hints of like she I mean, clearly, obviously, she's surprised at what he's saying, but she's almost kind of like, oh, no, I'm I don't know if I'll go through with this. And he's kind of really now he's putting me on the spot and like forcing me. So it's kind of interesting the way it plays out. Um, yeah. And then, OK, then in the next scene, that's when Tony and AJ show up at the uh, junior's doctor's office. And this is where we kind of get the big news for junior. Yeah, and even before uh, before the news, I'm thinking about their relationship and everything, where it's been and, you know, where it's going. Um, it, it, you know, it makes sense, but it also is weird when you remember the past yeah. of him trying to murder Tony because it, it's got to come up in your mind. It does here. I get that, you know, after when he tells me he has cancer, it's like, fuck, let's hug it out, bro. But... That even before then, he Tony's coming in like, "Hey, I brought you this food thing and everything, and look who's here." And that's pretty far from where they've been. And I will take uh, Liv's death into account in that transformation as well. I think that it, it does. It's not strange. Well, it is strange, but it makes sense. Yeah, I agree. I agree. It and um, uh, I think it it's interesting. Uh, like especially yeah, you're in your first go through. Uh, I don't know if you quite would have expected this as far as the Tony and junior dynamic. Yeah. You know, season three, pretty far, like decent into the show, but not that far removed from where we were at the end of season one and like the beginning of season two. But I feel like they handled it really well. And plus junior uh, is such a great character. So it's nice to keep him around and not, you know, 
not prematurely murder him or something because they have this, well, we need a Tony Jr. face-off or something. Uh, and what a great comedic cut of, you know, he's like, everything Jr. says makes complete sense of what he's like, look, you know, he wants to tell Tony, which is, it's kind of a nice sweet moment because he is saying how he doesn't want anyone to know because people do, they'll treat you differently if they know you're sick. But it's nice that he wants Tony to know about it. But then we also get his like rule of threes and he's very concerned if he's going to be the third or not, uh, which yeah. is a hilarious moment. But then it's so great. You know, please don't tell anyone. I won't tell anyone. Janice's phone rings. Uncle June has cancer. Uh, it's so great. It's 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 simple. It's classic. But that's comedy for you, my dude. Oh, yeah, I was, uh, you know, not surprised exactly but it is strange as well considering janice and tony's relationship but then this is family and i like the way the scene plays out because tony gets to have the moment of them together on the couch commiserating but then janice just keeps bringing up this stuff about how she's seeing christ and all those you know all our janice things to the point where tony sees that i'm not getting what i wanted out of this exactly this interaction and at first i was kind of like fuck Tony, that's pretty bad uh, that you just immediately ratted him out. But then uh, it, it, it's made plain by the end of the episode that Junior didn't actually mean that. He wants the privilege that comes along with being sick. If he's got to be sick, he wants yeah. people. He wants special treatment for it, so he will tell everyone anyway. That's true, that's true. Uh, yes, the scene when they're you know both drinking wine or whatever on the couch, uh, that, that does, it feels so real and so natural. Um, and I guess even kind of going back to the email we read, uh, like, you know, because of how it feels real. And I feel like that, that feels like such a real moment, something you'd have with yeah your siblings or your cousin, if there's someone close to you, I mean, and also coming off of their mother dying not too long ago and you get yeah. this, they have that kind of dark laugh. And I think that's a very common thing. And it's also a natural, healthy thing because they're laughing at their mother who would call dead people toothpicks. And I guess it kind of ties into what was like the first body there. Like they said, she was like 90 pounds when she died or something. Is that kind of what yeah. they're getting at? Cause like you just wither away. Um, yeah. And of course, junior doesn't want to, <laughs> junior doesn't want to hear that. What, what's that have to do anything? Uh, but yeah, it's such a nice moment and you're right in true Janice fashion. She kind of goes back to what her, her new scam or her new lifestyle is that she had set up in a previous episode where, you know, Hey, the Holy Trinity, I do like this shared unspoken moment of, you know, what happened to pussy bump and Sarah and he went to witness yeah. protection and also Ralphie went to witness protection and that's their, both of their ghosts basically. And of yeah. course, Tony's not gonna, it feels real. Right. It do, it doesn't feel like a Janice scam. It does feel like maybe they could have this connection and that would help each other. But Tony's not going to do that. He's out of there. Right. Uh, you said Ralphie went into witness protection. but Oh, I'm sorry. Richie. I meant Richie. Because these Rich, Richie, Jackie, and Ralphie, like names yeah. I have to look up every time and I have to be very careful because if I yes. type like Sopranos and the name of a character, it's always going to autofill like yes. died choking on spaghetti or something. So yeah. I, I have to be careful. Um, yeah, I, my yeah. apologies. Yeah, And yeah, don't please don't uh, Google names. But yes, I meant uh, Richie April, who Janice shot yeah. uh, last season. 
Yes. Um, so next scene is the one we had from the opening of the show about the stolen bike. And uh, the FBI is outside confused about why they're hearing all this. The wiretap is uh, being compromised throughout this scene and then taken away to college where they can listen to some more stuff of, uh, from her roommates singing in the early morning after vodka and everything. <laughs> so so that'll be great for them. That was sure was a whole episode we watched about this fucking lamp that didn't never mattered, right? Isn't that rough? Because even like... I think even what we were taught when we were talking about that episode specifically without knowing this is where things are headed, it still yeah. felt kind of a stretch to have it be the whole episode. And especially because it's the first episode and we're ready to be with Tony and the gang and we're not. And to know that it goes to this. And I mean, hey, we're not doing spoilers past this. Maybe it somehow gets back in the house. But you could yeah. probably guess it doesn't. <laughs> no, it, that's my thought. It, it doesn't get back in the house. And the thing is, this whole scene, just do the scene exactly the same. Show, like, the shot of the lamp, and then you cut to the FBI listening. You know, we'd get it because they keep talking about wiretaps. We wouldn't have to see the whole process of getting it in there. Yeah. Um, so at the same time, I didn't hate that episode, but it was kind of like oh, this is the first episode, we're back to this. Uh, and it was like a heist with the FBI that, yes, it looks like, from this point of view, didn't really matter at all. Uh, it basically just added, it was jokes. It just added jokes uh, of them like, who's Lord Fuckface or whatever, yeah. when they were going through the different, yeah, like, yeah. whose moniker is that? Um, that's all I've seen come out of this so far. Um, maybe it's highlighting that the FBI is really struggling with pinning something on Tony, something like that. So maybe that's supposed to be a thing. But like the scene itself is is almost more important, where they're arguing about, you know, Meadows saying things that are true about like most poor people are more likely to commit crimes and etc. And Tony's just being the most racist and. Um, yeah, yeah, it ends with her taking the lamp. Yeah, it's. Re- I I gotta wonder too, and I mean, because I do remember that she takes the lamp. I didn't remember it was kind of this soon, because I mean, we're only on episode five. We're not. Uh, we're not even halfway through the season, and I mean, this was yep. such a focus in the first episode. I kind of. I I wonder, you know, as far as when they're breaking these stories and you know breaking down the episodes and what's what. I mean, I assume they always knew it was going to be a weird little non-payoff. I just wonder how, it, like, uh, how soon they knew it was going to happen, or maybe they had a different plan. But for whatever reason, we're like, nah, scratch that. She just takes the lamp. It is such a bizarre, but it's it's weird because I wonder: am I sometimes giving the writers too much credit, or is was it that they were like, look, let's we're going to fuck with this audience because it does seem like they do enjoy that a little bit. Uh, I mean, obviously, obviously we talked a lot last episode about Melfi's choice and that, <clears throat> um, I mean, I think that's simplifying a bit too much to say that that's fucking with the audience, but it is trying to make a statement on the audience. This is, this does feel like it's just fucking with us. What do you think? Melfi's choice? Melfi's choice of like just saying no and we're wanting oh, her right. to tell right, Tony, um, 
we're rooting for her to tell Tony who the guy is, uh, Jesus um, Rossi, so we can see him right. smash his head with his hands or whatever. Of course, right. So uh, the way I feel about it is it reminds me of the old uh, Hitchcock saying of when the audience knows there's a bomb under the table, it adds tension to the whole situation, even if the characters don't know because we're going to be waiting and it's, it's going to make it you know really intense. And they almost never had a fucking conversation in that basement is the only thing. Like, they set all this up, and then I've seen a hundred mob conversations all over the place, and it's only been, like, the one where they're in the basement, like him and Christopher, and and nothing. they're just talking about how, you know, Jackie Jr. shouldn't be involved, the same mob conversation that's happening all over town. Yeah. Um, So, so yeah, I, I feel like... It's a, it is a bit strange uh, because they could have done something more with it or I would have expected them to do like a bit more with it before this would happen. Like maybe they're building a case. Maybe they're getting somewhere and then, then it gets fucked. But it really was like, yeah, that didn't pay off. Yeah. So, yeah, she takes the lamp. Uh, they have a fight about race. I mean, I do like that. Um, I kind of I, I, I like the way their hand, even though it's such a kind of subplot, it's not really related to the lamp, but. The way they're handling the race uh, issue with, you know, Tony being from, I guess, a different time uh, and racist. But it feels <laughs> like they, they are, uh, in a weird way, I don't think you'd be able to do this now. But I feel like they're also handling it in a mature way that would, you could get, you could do it now. I don't know. I don't know if that sounds weird. Because they're not afraid to show Tony um being like a despicable character like this and obviously it does tie in with how he feels about this cop leon because in a weird way now it turns into fuck this guy because they do specifically bring up that he's you know uh teaming up with some other black officers and they're trying to like put a, a thing together to uh spotlight this you know injustice that's happening because he wrote a ticket um so, yeah, I don't know. I think it's an interesting way they, they just keep kind of weaving it in. Like, clearly they want to have this discussion, but it's hard to just... They didn't want to just make it, like, uh, as obvious as, say, when they had the rapper and what the rapper's gang would show up and then Tony would be racist to them and then they'd have a shootout. They're just doing it in an yeah. interesting way, I'd say. Yes, although at the end of the episode or when he's talking to, you know, the assemblyman again and he says, you know what, fuck him. I I had the thought of like, oh, what's happened in Tony's storyline to make him change his mind since last time? And I realized, oh, it was just the thing with Meadow. Like, that's why he changed his mind. And I thought, oh, that's not that interesting. Like, I I was trying to figure out what are they saying here? What's going on in Tony's mind? Because it was sort of interesting that he started having you know, regrets or like, could we, did we go too far? Can I fix this? But then like the thing that made him turn back around was just like the bike and fighting with his daughter. And then it's suddenly like, no, fuck you. Cause you're black again, which is an interesting thing. Cause he's, even though I'm, you know, calling him racist, he's certainly saying things that lots and lots of people would say. Yeah. <laughs> like it's, it's, that's the thing as well. Why I think it works fairly well that it, it's not, like it's over the top, obviously, but it's over the top in the way that a lot of people think this way. It's it's not he's not made to be a racist caricature. These are real things that people will say a lot in everyday life. So that's interesting. But it was sort of a maybe a slight letdown that that was 
all that storyline was that it was just a fight with his daughter and then it changed but i did like when he offered him the money at the end and he didn't take it and for tony that's almost like he's he's almost changing his mind again there i think because he wanted to, to turn him he wanted him to like come over to the corrupted side and of course he won't so then it's like he almost wants to reward him more for that but he already tried to give him the money so what's he gonna do that's like that's the last shot of the episode and i'm skipping ahead but he's just standing there like this didn't really work out did it yeah and i agree with that read it is almost like the more like the more this guy is not like tony or like the people tony does business with the more he likes him and kind of wants to help him but he like can't uh, because yeah. it's also all his fault. So, you know, what he's supposed yes. to do. And Peter in the chat saying, uh, I think as long as it was on HBO, they'd have freedom to explore this. Otherwise, not sure. That's referring to if it was would be possible to do it uh, today. And I think a lot of shows do go into, like, exploring race and what that means, relations between different races, things like that. Uh, but it's done on such a basic level here almost but the way it's done on a basic level also works you know? uh, one thing i'd say to challenge that and i know this isn't the same thing it's a different thing but i mean the game of thrones guys were trying to do that show about the civil war and how if the south won and everyone kind of protested it and i think that shows on the shelf um yeah because i mean obviously it was going to explore race relations maybe in a different way but people thought it was a little bit too problematic so i don't think they're going to do it so i would say not even the case with essentially hbo again that's not quite the same what we're talking about here uh but i i I don't know i think it's uh related yeah for sure that is to be fair that is the whole that felt like it would have been very central to the show yeah um and they are two white dudes given david chases as well but uh but yes uh i I see what you're saying but yeah that's why i just feel like and again this is all like i know this is hearsay when everyone's always like well that was done today blah 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 but i do feel like people would be like hey this is not central to this show so why are you doing this and yep. why are you you're doing this with a character that we are supposed to root for um and he's not getting comeuppance for it uh, i just yeah, feel like there would, there would be maybe an outcry of that a little bit but uh, i think yeah. that's why it's interesting and i think that's why it's I, I think it's interesting to look at some of these things in a uh lens of today and you know how it relates like similar to you know last episode and Clearly, we have a lot of stuff with like Me Too and stuff like that, and I think it's it's still uh, obviously very relevant to what's going on today. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so the next scene, Peter in the chat said he uh, he uh, thought expected it to be a dream sequence almost because Artie's sitting down with Adriana, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and yeah, it does. I mean, it's clearly not a dream sequence though because it like almost starts out with like. Oh, what's that in your ear? Oh, this old thing? Oh, I just pull it out for special occasions, you know? So he's already being the worst and dorky and and not handling it well, trying to grab her hands 18 times. Um, And it starts out so well where where it's like, oh, what would he be jealous about? And and she already knows about the fight, and she's like, oh, that's Christopher. So the vibe's all good, and he totally ruins it. It's so cringy. It's such a well-done, awkward scene. Because, yeah, he's got his earring and, you know, she, you know, has to comment that they're at this, like, nice restaurant. So it's clearly, like, 
it's one thing to, you know, take a co-worker. Well, I mean, I guess she's not even a co-worker. Like, he's her boss. But, either, like, I guess it's always inappropriate. But it's one thing if it's like, hey, we'll go to this p- quick place to celebrate. But, no, we're going to, like, this romantic, fancy restaurant. He's got his earring. He keeps dropping about uh, information about b- working with Tony Soprano. He keeps trying to hold her hands. He's talking about like his marriage. Uh, it's so fucking. It's so rough. And I guess we could just yeah. assume because when she gets up to go to the bathroom, she takes her purse. She doesn't come back. <laughs> like, <laughs> I guess. Like, I I did wonder about that. Um, I think she probably came back, but I don't know. I don't think I don't she know, did. Jim. And then like think? no. Yeah, the nice the nice food comes, and you know, Artie is just. He's just already, dude. He's already buco. That's the best way to say it is that he's already buco. I that think she comes back after like 20 minutes and he's like, because he hasn't had anything to do, he's just been sitting there and he ate his whole meal already. And she says like, oh, my stomach's a bit upset. I, I'm <laughs> sorry. I got to go. Like, yeah. I think that's what happened. I think there should be a sitcom called That's Already Buco. And it's just like, that's already buco. And it'll be stuff where like... You know, he he, uh, he walks into the supermarket or something and drops change everywhere. And he's like, oh, no, <laughs> I got to pick up all this. Ch- it's like $20 in change. And he just goes, that's already Buco. And he shrugs like he doesn't know what's going on. <laughs> yeah, but- that would have been the end of this scene as well. And, and some Curb Your Enthusiasm music would not be misplaced <laughs> here either, I say. Yeah. Uh, but I love Artie. Uh, then we have Johnny Sack, Tony, and the Assemblyman. They're again talking about the Esplanade, and yeah, this we already kind of touched on this. He brings up Leon again, and he says, "Fuck him." Uh, feds, the wiretap has been neutralized, and they're like, and you know, I feel like the captain or whatever is us, the audience, where we're like, "What? <laughs> what? That's it?" Uh, and I guess since we already talked about the last scene, we'll finish talking about Junior's scene here. Um, yeah. And in a very, I was actually speak, speaking of Curb Your Enthusiasm. I mean, not just because uh, Uncle June looks like Larry David, but, uh, yeah. and I guess you kind of already touched on this is that it is just very much, it's like when Larry David uh, realizes, he finds out his mom died, but it's been five months, like he, because they didn't want to bother him while he was in LA. But then he ends up using it for excuses for things where it's like, <laughs> You know, he tries to have sex with his wife and she's not feeling it. And he's like, oh, I'm just, you know, I'm feeling rough because my mother died. And she's like, oh, come here. And he keeps doing that. It does. There is a hint of that. Well, I mean, not even a hint. That's what's happening here, right? It's like Junior, he just doesn't want to go to the funeral. doesn't want to be reminded. He keeps staring at the TV in hilarious fashion. He keeps wanting to watch the movie. And finally, yeah. it's like, look, I'm sick. I can't go. And then, and then who's going to be like, well, no, get up, you cancer person. And, and come with me to the thing I want you to go to. Yeah. Come to me for the cancer funeral right now. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, he's he's really selfish as well uh, because it's it's really like affecting. Um, is is this guy called Bobby? Yes, is, that's that Bobby. His, yeah, so yeah. Bobby Bacala. Um, so it, it's really affecting him as well. And that's what I mentioned, not just when he's crying earlier, but here when he's like, fucking, what is the world coming to? But first my father and now you? Like, he actually really cares about Junior, whereas Junior doesn't care enough to get, take his blanket off his legs. Um, so it makes him a bit more uh, three-dimensional where he's previously, like, they've just or mainly showed him as, like, that's the fat guy. <laughs> that's true, yes. And yeah. it's all in the setup, too, because the setup's so great because 
I know that feel like what Junior Soprano set up in this scene like it me uh, because he's he's got his sandwich. He's got his movie on. He sits down with his blanket. And he's he's got a big smile on his face. You can tell he's yeah. feeling good. He's like, hell, yeah. Got my sandwich. Got my movie. This is great. And then Bobby walks in. And he's like, "Ugh, I don't want to go anywhere. Are you serious right now? I got cancer. Go away. Uh, so, but yeah, you're completely right. And, and Bobby comes off so sweet here because I mean, obviously he's going through stuff cause his dad passed and he was already very concerned about it. And here's this guy he like takes care of every day and he won't just fucking put some pants on and come to his dad's funeral. It's really sad. And I did recall as well, uh, the scene where junior was choosing which way to go. If he would go with Richie or um, Richie or Tony, and I was thinking of that scene earlier as well when they, you know, he, him and Tony were hugging it out. That certainly helped when he brought Richie's revolt to his attention. Um, but just, just the fact that he said back then, like, "I'm in awe of you," like of <laughs> of how he handled the situation, how he plotted it out, and everything. And he's he is almost like a father figure for Bobby. So you know, it is a real double whammy for him. Yeah, yeah. And yeah, we talked about the last scene, so that's kind of the episode. But real quick, I forgot, to, I didn't get a chance. To, I meant to read this at the top of the show. But although it's not quite okay. an email, so it's all right. I'll just read it now. Um, shout outs to the Sopranos subreddit. That's reddit.com slash r slash the Sopranos. Um, I was actually just kind of scrolling through reading, and someone uh, actually a couple of months ago asked for recommendations on uh, episode analysis. And uh, Darth Jubaka one one three eight, you know, hey, no judgment here. Right. Uh, hmm. Did say cut to black. A soprano sit down on the YouTube channel shows what you know. They're in the middle of season two right now. Obviously, that was when they were middle of season two. Now we're in the middle of season three. The old guy saw the show when it aired, and the younger one is <laughs> watching it for the first time. So it works great for anyone who's also a first timer. So. I'm the old guy. Just, yeah. <laughs> I mean, because I, I'm the young guy or younger at least. Because at first I was like, I'm the younger one, but then I'm like, wait a minute, I'm not watching it for the first time. Oh my god, I'm the old guy. Uh, so I appreciate that, Darth, Darth Chewbacca. I love when people uh, recommend the show. Uh, so if you could do that, you can recommend that to your friends as well. You don't have to necessarily call me out as the old guy if you don't want to. <laughs> Uh, but well, you are. I am in awe of you. You are the junior in our yeah. sort of podcast relationship, where I'm Bobby lumbering about. I don't really know what I'm doing. So, in that sense, let's call Jim the experienced one <laughs> moving forward. Maybe yeah. that'll be a bit better for his ego. And, and I mean, I guess I got the glasses. So yeah, I'm on my way to Junior Soprano for sure. I uh, have the same glasses. If anyone's on the stream, it, it's a real hassle, like drawing us because we both have quite similar glasses so so it is a bit tricky but but yes uh you are the older one why did you think you were the younger one though because uh, you're clearly older than me no i was that was just a joke i was just being oh, like oh okay. clearly i'm the younger one you know people yeah, like to course. pretend they're young uh yes. so yeah there you go that's a, another solid episode where we're keeping uh we're keeping on down this road of season three and things are really starting to pick up uh mm-hmm. like we had said at the top of the show we'll remind you again if you want to send any of your thoughts you could send them to shows that you know show at gmail.com. But we also greatly appreciate if you submit a podcast review, uh, preferably iTunes. But if you use Stitcher or stuff like that, uh, that would be great as well. Um, it all helps Absolutely. the show. So thank you. Yes. And uh, like Jim mentioned, we do read every email we get in. Uh, most of them will also 
read out on the air. So if you want to get involved in the show, send a, an email to showswhatyouknowshow at gmail.com. Or if you just want to give us a silent pat on the back and, and send us on our way, an iTunes review is the way to go. Uh, it does help us more if you write it out uh, rather than just give the stars. So just give that a give that a little thought. It would really help us out. We'd really appreciate it. Of course, there's always jimandthem.com and awesomepedia.org for all our other side projects. But I will focus on those two things. Review and email. Uh, that's how you get involved. And uh, besides that, is there one more thing perhaps, Jim? There's one more thing. Cuts mm. of black. <laughs> <laughs>